0: Remote work is not a yes or no, it's just how and when.
1: Welcome to Inspiring Leaders, the podcast that shares ideas, perspectives, and best practices from great leaders around the world to help you become a more inspired leader. A huge welcome back to the Inspiring Leaders podcast brought to you by Ubiquity Coaching at ubiquity.coach. Thanks for tuning in today. I'm your host and executive coach, Terry Lepofsky. And today, we're here to learn a little bit more about the secrets of successful remote teams. Our guest is joining us from Amsterdam in the Netherlands. He's the CEO of the Dutch Division of Econicom an amazing service provider that helps companies around the world designing and navigating digital transformation. Welcome to the show, Yan Tutan, and thank you so much for joining us here today to share your insights and your wisdom. Thank you, Thierry, for having me on your podcast. That's a pleasure. It's always a little bit difficult connecting with people because of all of our time zones and all the rest of it, but I guess that's coming up in our discussion today. Before we dig into this topic, let's learn a little bit about you and what motivates you. Here's my first question for you, Yan. Who or what inspires you? I like this question.
0: What I am very much inspired by is the fact that I like to observe things from the sideline and to be able to address things that are common for everyone and that are not common for me. How I do that? Well, you might hear that I have a strong French accent. So I am originally from France. I grew up in France, but I've lived in many different countries. So I've already had a lot of experience about living in a country and being on the sideline of the culture of a country and watching the people's habits, watching the people's way of living and observing how people surrender to what their culture has designed for them or is offering them and how people don't realize that sometimes things can be done different and better or more easy. And this is something I am very much inspired by because this is something I do in the business world. Also, I look at the company culture, and I'm very, very much triggered every time to look from a sideline. What are the strengths of this culture? What are the weaknesses of this culture? And how can
1: I help people to awaken from their programming? I guess it's safe to say that the people are inspiring you in what it is that you're observing and what you're watching. Exactly. It's I love the analytical approach that you take. One thing that seems to get on a lot of people's nerves is having somebody come in as a new leader and immediately they start telling people with a lot of experience how to do their job. You're not coming into this job. You've been there for nine years running the Dutch business arm at Econicom. I think the approach is fantastic to watch and see what's happening and that analytical approach of almost doing a SWOT analysis of what you're seeing. That seems to be a very effective way of working. And we could talk hours about it. So, <laughs> that's the goal, I think, but not hours. Right. <laughs> yeah. And as I mentioned, you've been steering the ship as the CEO for the Dutch division at Econocom now for over nine years. And like I said earlier, Econocom is helping companies everywhere with digital transformation. But what I find so interesting is that out of this huge organization, a CONOCOM with over 11,000 employees around the world, based in 18 countries, you yourself have direct responsibility for about 350. And you consider that geographic diversity of your staff to be a competitive advantage. Well, I know just having said that right there, I know some CEOs who are listening in right now are going to be shaking a little bit and tensing up. Because some <laughs> of the CEOs that I talk with, Say that they find that leading a remote team is one of the biggest challenges in their organization. So I'm really interested to find out straight from you, somebody who's doing this really well and knows that this can be a competitive advantage. What is it that you and Econocom are doing differently? And what best practices have you found that move this from a nice-to-have initiative to a competitive advantage?
0: That's a large question.
1: Well, that's why I get paid the big bucks, to ask the big questions (laughs) on a free podcast. I'd like to start with uh,
0: two angles about uh, remote work. I think remote work is whether something that exists in a company and you develop, or is it something that does not exist that you implement? I had the two cases. You can decide to set up a company that is fully remote, or you can also decide to remote a company that is not yet put in remote and existing company. And those two journeys I have done, I will start with the first one. Having remote teams is, for me, the way organizations should work today. There's no discussion there to me today. Should I go remote or not? No, it has to be remote. There's no discussion there. And for a few reasons. Reason number one is the hunt for talents. If you decide to hunt your talents in a circle that is one hour commuting time from your office, Well, just draw this on the map of the world and you will see the fishing pool you have to fish for your talent. It's a ridiculous circle on the map of the world. So if you decide to recruit only people which are one hour commuting time from your office, you shrink the hunt for talent. That's one of the first reasons.
1: Wow, that's a huge one right there.
0: Just draw it on the map and you will see how stupid this little point
1: on the map of the world. I was thinking as you were saying that for any business, To limit your customers to that radius around your business would be obviously one of the first things you'd want to correct. Point well taken. Second is attracting new generation, new talents. If you ask them to be behind a desk every
0: morning at 8.30, you will not keep them very long. Saying it differently, if you force people to commute, because that's what you do when you ask people to come to a fixed office, you force them to commute. Forcing people to commute is forcing people to spend 40 hours a month commuting. It's only two hours a day—one hour in the morning, one hour in the evening. So it's 40 hours a month, 500 hours a year that you ask people to be commuting for you and for your company. Every studies show that commuting is killing for people creativity, health, dynamism, enjoyment in life, etc. So commuting is a killer. Why do we force people to commute and to be at the office? Well, it's back to the industrial revolution. Before the industrial revolution, everybody was working remote. The industrial revolution has meant that people had to come at a certain place because they were depending on someone else to reach a certain uh, step in the process. So this person was next to them, and they could uh, do the next process. Think about the car industry, for example. So the industrial revolution has meant that we move from remote to teamwork at the same location. But now this is over, and we have all the tools to be able to work remote. So. Forcing people to come to an office to work is, is old-fashioned. It's almost 100 years old. For those two reasons, and I have much more, but those two reasons are reasons that there's no discussion to go remote or not. Companies have to be remote today. Addressing remote teams is, of course, a challenge because we are in a curve. We're in a transition because time is limited. I like to focus on the managers, the people who struggle the most with addressing remote most of the time. It's the managers who have challenges with that. Because the managers have also a legacy of 100 years of exercising their leadership with their teams around them. And nowadays, they have to exercise their leadership with their teams remote. And the first thing I've noticed is that a lot of the managers who have to act with remote teams, they suffer from not having the leadership exposure that they can have. I mean, a corner office, a big car, a bigger computer screen, an assistant, and a team visible on on an open space working from them. So they can check everybody's work Those are the attributes of leaders that are disappearing with remote work. And so how to broadcast your leadership without having a stage? How can you be an actor without a theater? That's the challenge that a lot of uh, leaders are going through. So what I've done to tackle this point is to focus a lot on having the leaders themselves working remote and understanding the benefit of working remote so that they can spread the word and accept that their teams are. But I've seen a lot of companies where they say, okay, let's go remote so the people can work remote, but the managers, they are still at the office every morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is where it's... Sorry, guys, but <laughs> you have to walk the talk. So very interesting to focus, and there's a lot of things we can say about it, and I can give a lot of advice on how to make sure that the remote work is being adopted by the management because by the workers, it will be adopted. Most of the workers, they like it. One of the tip I can give here is to avoid to consider home office as remote work. So very often we associate remote work to home office. In the perception of a lot of leaders, if they picture people at their home, then they picture them on the playstation, or they picture them at school picking up the kids, or they picture them hanging the laundry in the garden, which can happen. But what I advise is to have a policy about remote work, which is the following. Never work from home, work from a co-working space because you join a community, so when you work from a co-working space, you join another worker's community because your company cannot provide you anymore this community feeling. So you need to find this working community feeling. And a co-working space is only about that. The drive of a co-working space is to create a community so people stay in the co-working space and they don't have churn of customers. So work from a co-working space, you are in a community of workers and you will have a great community because it's full of different ways of working, different types of businesses. etc. So, so it's much richer than being in the office where you have one culture, one mindset, you will be in a working community with as much culture, as much mindset as the people you're going to be working among. So co-working space, also if you visit customers, work from your customer premise. I just did it. Before this call, I was having a meeting at the stadium of Amsterdam. I had a meeting there, and I asked, the meeting starts at two o'clock, can I stay there until five? So can I have a position so I can work from your Of course, the customer is very happy to, provide hospitality services to me. Then I spend three hours in the DNA of this customer in the culture of this customer, and I can go to the coffee machine, and I talk to people. Then I understand better my customer. I understand much more the customer. And again, I'm joining a working community. And what I'm saying there can also be applied to suppliers, whether you do it at customers or you do it at suppliers, anyone that is in the ecosystem of your company your business is interesting to use also as a landing platform to work and then having said that occasionally you can work from home but I would strongly advise not to make home the
1: base or the main point of your remote work so we've got working from co-working space I guess that would be your first recommendation second work from a customer or even a supplier location which is yeah. great because then you really start connecting with the culture and the, as you described it, the DNA of the customer. Or third, working from home, but not making that your permanent base. Make sure that you're getting out, seeing people, connecting with people, having conversations, all of that good stuff. These are fantastic ideas, great suggestions. Here's another question I've been thinking of, Yan. From the middle manager's perspective, you said it'd be great to get them out there. Working remotely as well, so that they understand the difficulties and the challenges that are going to come up, and also the benefits of what is going to happen as well from working remotely. Any tips for those folks as far as communication, motivation, engagement, that sort of thing?
0: You have to gather your team on a regular basis. Ideally, two times a year, even better, four times a year is to gather together and to fly everybody into a place where you can have uh, team building activities and also workshop extra for two, three days. That's the best way. And of course it can be quite pricey, but if you compare it to uh, having an office for everyone is I have, for example, uh, I like to share also a, a benchmark I have, but uh, co-working space, you know, joining co-working space is about 400 per month per head. That's roughly the price. So uh, with a dedicated seat in an open space. This is nothing compared to having a whole building to manage for your company. So the the, the cost you save there versus uh, your own building, you can invest it in gathering people, flying them in to destinations, plenty of cheap flight uh, destinations, and you fly them in, and then you can have this nice uh, conference, uh, workshop, team building together. The second thing is, of course, to have regular meetings. So it's to program all the routine that you have with your teams up front. So it's to say, for example, every Tuesday at 11, we have a meeting. We have a meeting where we join with an agenda. And second is to have one-to-one also, once a week or every two weeks. to so have one-to-ones that are also planned and fixed in the agenda. That's basic stuff, what I'm saying now, but I see a lot of companies who go remote and who then tend to forget this meeting ceremony. It's very important to keep it clear in the agenda of everyone. I will talk to you once a week on Tuesday uh, from uh, three to four. And I will be talking to you and I will have time for you. And as a manager, never skip those meetings. Never say, Oh, I'm sorry. I have a customer meeting. So we talk next week. Never. First priority. I advise also in those meeting to always turn the video on. It forces everyone to work from a decent place uh, for the people who have challenged to get dressed. At least it forces them to take a shower. <laughs> And it's the the contact, you know, the contact if you turn on the video is is much better. So I invite the managers to, again, lead by example, and always have the video on when they do a call like which I did, by the way, uh, when we started this recording, I turned on the video with you, Thierry, because I think you get a much better connection than just just the boys. Those are the few tips. Gather your teams four times a year, fly them in somewhere, offer them a nice experience. Have uh, those uh, regular meetings set in the agenda for team meetings and for individual meetings. Share recordings of yourself. Share your views on uh, your experiences. Be very, very visible online so your team members see you as a manager as if they would see you if you are in the office. I use LinkedIn a lot, for example, to uh, talk to my teams. I talk a lot to my teams via LinkedIn to remind them the strategy, to remind them the vision, In fact, I give a public speech or I do a video recording on LinkedIn, uh, two minutes of the vision of the company or an achievement. But of course, this is also intended to have my team members watching it. So I tick two boxes at once. I do my public communication and my company communication at once, my LinkedIn.
1: It's like a whole bunch of best practices wrapped into one. It's funny, you talked about the team building and the retreats, two to three days. But doing it quarterly or four times a year, as you described, being actually less expensive than housing everybody inside a big building. It may seem like an expensive line item when the hotel bill comes in or the, the airline bill, but next to that monthly invoice for the lease and the rest of it, I'm sure that that can be a good way to go. Love your idea about connecting with people by video. As an executive coach, I connect with people a lot who are remote. People around the world. And one of the things that I usually mention to them is that it's my preference to actually meet by video rather than just phone. Because when you're meeting by phone, the temptations are all around you. And oftentimes in the background, when I'm talking to people, I can hear the keys going on their keyboard. And they're not fooling anybody. (laughs) There's so much to be said from body language and actually seeing somebody. So if you're not physically close to them, I think the next best thing, as you mentioned, is that video conferencing, which is great. Sharing of all those resources, another wonderful recommendation there. I think you've given us an awful lot to chew on. I'm wondering, Yen, when's the book coming out? When are you going to be writing about this? Because there's so much value here that you provided us today. I'm sure that you can fill 8, 10 chapters easily. Oh, that's
0: nice to hear. Uh, because I'm writing a book at the moment. So how to turn your product-based business model into a subscription model. So it's easy for uh, Spotify, Netflix to offer subscription, but if you have hardware, if you have goods, if you have products, how you offer them into a subscription model. I've seen recently, for example, Sonos, the sound system. Sonos is now based on, also on a subscription model. It's called Sonos Flex, and you pay a price per month, and you have the whole Sonos experience. Well, the book I'm writing now is about how to turn your product-based model into a subscription model. It's almost
1: finished, so it will be published soon.
0: So now you just gave me the idea for the next book. That's wonderful.
1: (laughs) I think organizing our thoughts in this particular manner has opened up a whole new door. It's funny that you also mentioned about turning product-based business into a service. Many people credit that strategy for saving Microsoft when they transformed Mm -hmm. from a product-based business into a service-based business with Microsoft 365 and all that good stuff. Point well taken, I'll make sure that we post that on the uh, Inspiring Leaders website when that comes out and make sure that people know where to pick up that book as well. Yeah.
0: Talking about books, I think it's also something. Writing your book as a leader is it's a nice step in your life also uh, for your leadership, for your people, for your teams. And I had a chance to meet someone who organizes three times a year some writing retreats of one week in uh, Curaçao, in Thailand, and in uh, Mallorca. You write your book in a week, and it's true, I did it. You're kidding. So, uh, That's incredible. Yeah, very interesting way of approaching because people like a book, it's like uh, climbing the, the Mount Everest, you know, it's like, oh, well, I'm never going to succeed. And in the meantime, your book is done.
1: Yeah. I know some people that have been years into their book and it's still not published. Yeah, yeah. Before we let you go, I've got a couple more questions for you. The next question I had for you pertains to other leaders. Is there any advice that you could offer people today that want to become even better leaders?
0: i like to stay on the topic we have discussed. Remote work is not a yes or no. It's just how and when. The business of this world is turning completely remote. The people are asking for it. Employees are asking for it. Independent workers are asking for it. We can't go on with having location-based businesses and talent. It's over. It's
1: location-independent now. The businesses are location-independent. I love how you said two hours a day for commuting, especially for folks living in larger centers. But The average employee is out there for 20 days a month, 40 hours a month of commuting. That's ridiculous. What are we doing to people? What are we putting people through? The frustration, the stress that people are going through, and the productivity that's really flushed down the toilet. I love how you just said, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when and where.
0: I like what you said because I say it very often. Who am I as a CEO to force 350 people to spend two hours a day commuting? It's a huge impact on their ecosystem, on their communities, on their life, on their health, on their families, on the environment, on the traffic jams. It's crazy. That was the start of being on a sideline. Every city I visit, What I do every time I go at eight o'clock in the traffic, Toronto, Shenzhen, Bangkok, Amsterdam, traffic jams everywhere. One person in a car, alone, bored, gray,
1: frustrated. With 350 folks and an average commute time of about an hour per person, you just saved 700 work hours per day for your team of productivity. So bravo for that. Last question for you, Jan. What does inspiring leadership mean to you? Exactly
0: the discussion we have. Don't take the habits you have been given by your culture and by your education and by your peers. Don't apply them blindly. Just question everything. Like what we just did in this call, commuting. Can we question commuting? Yes, we can.
1: So nothing is a sacred cow. Keep everything under question. Always look at things with that fresh pair of eyes and see if there's a better way of doing things that nobody else has considered.
0: Yeah, work on your
1: business and not in your business. So Sometimes be on the business and look at it from the outside,
0: like I do. I go in traffic jams in other cities in the world just to look at it from the outside, and I always reach the same conclusion. So be on the sideline is very, very helpful if you have the curiosity to reconsider your process and your habits.
1: I've heard it said before, get off the stage and up to the balcony yeah well wow, this has yeah. been absolutely fantastic i so much appreciate everything that you've shared with us here today there it is folks more invaluable advice from a world-class ceo Yan to from econocom Yan, thank you sincerely for joining us here on the inspiring leaders program and particularly for all of the valuable tips and the perspectives that you shared with us today
0: it's my pleasure and of course Not enough time to share uh, much more. We have only been uh, on a a few percentage of the whole topic, but it's always the same. It's about awakening and then the journey starts.
1: The tip of the iceberg. I might be tapping you on the shoulder again at a later date to see if maybe we can drill down a little bit more. I loved your perspectives. Well, folks, that's it for today. Thank you so much for tuning in and joining us here again on the Inspiring Leaders podcast brought to you by Ubiquity.coach. If you have not done so already, please subscribe to the show so you don't miss future episodes of all of the invaluable wisdom that our guests share to help you become an even more inspiring leader. Until next time, take care, everyone. Bye for now.